Hey, everyone in. Let's go. Huddle up on three. One, two, three. Huddle, Huddle up. No one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is your game now, gentlemen. Welcome, everyone, to the Huddle Up Podcast. And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! 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 Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, live here on our Facebook page. It is Wednesday night, October 30th, 2019. We're glad to be with you. This week, we have a ton to talk about, including the NCAA is changing Harbaugh and Kelly flip-flop, and the Eagles and the Cowboys are the same team. But first, our show is brought to you by Alicia's Pillows and Things on NGSC Sports. If you're decorating your home, you want it to reflect your tastes and likes. So why not add decor that reflects your sports, movie, or TV fandom? Alicia's Pillows and Things is your hookup. They feature pillows of all sizes, stools, and more with all your favorite teams and characters. Log on to NGSCSports.com, find the Alicia's Pillows and Things tab on the homepage, and place your order. Make sure you're following along with us on social media, Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I am at Big Jim Sports. Dave is at Huddle Up Dave. And you can also get our home network at NGSC Sports on all platforms. Uh, we couldn't do this show without our co-host Dave, and he's with us now. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy Jam, we're doing pretty good, but first and foremost, I got to ask you how your football weekend was last weekend. Got to start the show off with bang. Well, the Cowboys didn't lose. That's about all I can say. Oh, and I won in all five fantasy leagues, so it wasn't great. It really, it really was. But you know, <clears throat> that old saying about happy wife, happy life, um, Funny thing about sayings is sometimes they lie because I was not happy on uh, on Saturday. But I, 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 yeah, that's I'll just leave it. I can't. I'm still kind of in shock about what happened this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was an it, I, it, it was quite the interesting weekend. But I, I'd rather have last weekend than what we have in the college slate this weekend. I think you have. Uh, your top two Big Ten teams and your top two SEC teams on by, so it's going to be pretty boring. I mean, you got to look forward to 
uh, Florida, Georgia. It's pretty much the game. Yeah, real. There's only two games head to head in the uh, in the top twenty five this week. Um, so so not a whole lot to talk about there. There's more to talk about things that happened obviously this past weekend. What some of it might mean, and and obviously the the big ruling with the NCAA, um, and then uh, you know and, and NFL stuff as well. Um, but we did, uh, there was a, a post on, I think it was Monday morning that I saw it was, uh, it was about sports superstitions and, uh, and I put it out there about it to see if any of the, the listeners have any, um, superstitious things that they do, uh, while watching sports or, or, or whatnot or playing sports. Um, and we got some, uh, interesting answers. So it begs a question, Dave, um, is there anything as a fan, be it, going to live hockey games or, or sporting events or, or watching at home that, that you do. Um, and I know, more, I know for me that there, there are, there are a few things there's, there's a particular Hershey bears Jersey that I will bust out. Um, if, uh, if it really becomes necessary and, and I look back to, um, the 2010 finals when Hershey was down Oh two, I broke that thing out of the closet, wore it for the next four games. Obviously, Hershey went on to win. Um, I know during the Capital Stanley Cup run in, in, in 2018, um, when you know I would wear a jersey till they lost, then I would change it. And I even um, canceled a, a, or, or postponed going down to the beach for a long weekend so that I could watch uh, game, uh, game, game five uh, in, the, in the same place and of course in the same uh same clothing that I had worn for all the previous victories in that series so just a few things that 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 I do um and and they only get weirder I'm sure um as as I get further into you know Notre Dame and the Cowboys not uh, finding the ultimate success uh that I hope they will but is there anything Dave that you do from a uh, superstition standpoint as a fan there's not too much. I mean, during the Capitals run, you obviously know that the chair was good luck and it was strikingly good luck. So um, to me, it, it, it's kind of cool to hear the superstitions, but it's only weird if it doesn't work. I mean, if it works, it's all good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, so again, thank you for, for everyone who, um, who, who responded to that. There were some pretty fun answers. Uh, I know Jason talked about during the, the Phillies World Series run in t- 2008 uh chase talked about his wearing a, a browns jersey he's a browns fan god god bless him um and uh and austin talking about um his time as a high school football player so um and some things that that, that he did uh as a player um and some of those superstitions that, as as have been told through sports folklore really uh you know really have gotten gotten some play throughout the years so again thank you to those who responded um, to that uh, World Series, of course, tonight, Dave, we'll, we'll kind of check the score um, as it goes on. Currently, one nothing Houston in the top of the fifth. Um, so we'll see if there is any rally magic. And I, the the stat I heard today on it, because it was something that I wondered throughout the um, throughout the series. Obviously, the road team winning uh, every game so far uh, in the World Series. This would this would be the first time. I think I think was the, the the stat that I heard would be the first time if the Nationals would win that in any of the four major sports uh, series 
I don't know if it was all series or just championship series where the road team would win uh, every game. So uh, the, just a um, obviously been a very weird one for, from that aspect. Washington jumped out to the, the 2-0 lead, looked almost unbeatable. Houston takes the next three. Last night there was um, a bit of controversy um, in, in, in a call. And, and actually, let, let's talk about that for just a second. You know, I mean, by rule, and, and I, you know, I heard ex-umpires talk about it today on Sports Talk, and all of them agree with the call that made. And, and you know, by rule, I, I believe, Dave, the correct call was made. Um, you know, it kind of stinks that it kind of comes down to one of these judgment and review calls in a, in a pivotal championship series. Obviously, ended up not hurting the Nationals last night. They went on to win anyway, but... Um, did did you happen to see the play? Did, where do you stand with with where that call was? And you know, is it is it just a, another instance of instant replay and 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 play reviews kind of ruling the sports landscape anymore? Yeah, so I was watching it live. Um, I well, live through the TV, of course. But uh, I I think my issue with it is, I mean, does it need to be called there? My opinion, no. Um, is it the right call? Um, debatable but my whole issue is how many of these could you call during a game that i mean how often do you see this thing called it, it, it's like them calling um unsportsmanlike conduct in in the super bowl for a guy that gets up and, and um celebrates a big hit like you don't see that called but yes they could call it if they wanted to so it's one of those i i don't by the rule it's probably the right call but does it really need to be called there? And, and secondly, the fact that the, the other piece that's very interesting to me is that they it wasn't a challengeable play, but they were talking to New York last night from everything that I saw and heard, um, which is the review piece, to see if the game could actually be protested on a judgment call is what they were doing there. And the fact that that took like six or eight minutes to decide what was going on is ridiculous. Like, you should know that pretty quickly. And, I mean, you have Joe Torrey sitting in the stands there that could uh, – to make a ruling pretty quick, but at the same fact, if I was the Astros in that situation, I'd be screaming because my reliever was standing there, getting uh, getting out of out of sync or whatever you want to call it. So, um, I, I think it's crazy that they call it. You could probably call it three or four times a game if you wanted to. And how often? When's the last time you remember that being called? That's what I'll go back to. That if it's not called during the season, why are you going to call it now? Yeah, that, that that's a fair point. And, and Tyler in the comments here, Tyler, thank you for uh, for commenting. If you're following along in the live video. Uh, give it a share. Get as many people in here, obviously, to discuss this and and um, the, the the rest of the show. But I, I think that is a that is a good point made, Dave. And it and it's one of those things where it and it comes down. It's not only uh, obviously in baseball, but we're seeing just so much of uh, you know everything being enforced or so many things not being enforced or being enforced at weird times. And it always comes back to lack of consistency. And and I know. Um, Watching the the Caps and Maple Leafs last night, it felt like one of those games where I mean everything was called. The commentators talked about it. Everything, um, you know, they 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 were talking about how it's just one of those games where, for whatever reason, the refs are cracking down. And and you know those are the hard things in baseball. You know, strike zones that move throughout the game or or, or what have you. And it, you know, it, you just want consistency and you want th- things from, from game to game or at least from the same crew. And once you get into these championship series, especially by the time you get to game six, you should have a pretty good feel of, um, you know, what's going to be called 
uh, and what's not. So that, that, that is a good point that, that I, I kind of overlooked, shouldn't have overlooked, that you know, if, it, if it's not being called regularly throughout the season, throughout the playoffs, throughout that game, you know, maybe, you know, that point of the of game six of the World Series when, you know, the Nationals have to win or the Astros can clinch, um, probably not the best time to do it. Uh, so let's, let's... Here's the other point, Jim. Before we get off this, the thing that I think had me more irritated with it is how the hell do you eject uh, the, the manager? I think of Davey Martinez, yeah, whatever his name is. Yeah, that's bad. How do you eject a manager in that situation? It's a do-or-die game sticks. And you're going to eject him because he's arguing a judgment call. Now, it's one thing if he abuses an umpire or something along those lines. But you're going to really toss him because you're a bonehead and made a, a extremely silly judgment call that didn't need to be made? Well, yeah, and, it, and it's not even, you know, like whether the call was, you know, more, more of a just a, a bang-bang play, you know, did the, did the runner, be, you know, just beat the throw – if he's arguing that, yeah, I agree to, to, to throw a manager out, but especially, you know, a, a, after, you know, what had gone down timing of the game and all of that, um, I thought was a real, you know, also a really, really poor decision. So not handled the best way if, if you're major league baseball and that umpire crew, but, uh, again, at least, um, the nationals were able to, you know, go on and win the game because it, it, it did appear that that's where the game was really starting to turn in their favor last night. Um, <laughs> Tyler says the home plate umpire had money on the Astros last night, and it's the only thing he can think of as to why you would make that call. Um, you know, and I, I, I have a, a friend of mine um, who uh, who I, I believe was was in the in the stadium for that game, and, and, and um was just kind of shocked that uh that that call was made and and again with with all of the things that we already talked about with you know the kind of the history of that call being made and not being not being called etc so um yeah we'll uh we'll last, last thing on that there jim but the the conspiracy theory or the controversy type of thing what would have happened if the astros won that last night Ooh. like can you imagine what it would have been like today I mean, obviously, if you can't appeal it, it would have been final. But can sure. you imagine the media today? Yeah, and and like that—that's the—that's the thing you you never want it to be, and and you know, and and to kind of bridge from baseball to uh, to to football, and obviously more football centric show, and 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 the problems we're seeing with the NFL, and you know, college football. I think the biggest problem in the college football world is the. Um, the enforcement of targeting is it targeting is it not targeting um but but you know and i was having this discussion because the uh the xfl schedule came out last week they start the week after the the super bowl and the the, the question has always become and it, and it gets even bigger because of the failure of the aaf now the aaf failed because of of money that's not going to be a problem uh with the xfl but the, there was a debate i was having and how much success can the xfl have and i'm like Here's the bottom line for me, week in and week out. Um, I have an I have NFL Sunday ticket. I watch the red zone from one o'clock till till seven o'clock when the when the late games are over, and that's fun for me. I I honest honestly struggle to watch like Sunday night football or Monday night football, even if the Cowboys are in it. 
by themselves. And yes, I know there's probably a joke about the Cowboys in there somewhere, but hang with me. And it's more because I think the NFL product week in and week out is becoming a lot harder to watch because it's 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 slow paced because there's a flag on every play. And then this goes to review. And then if you're under two minutes, there's obviously timeouts. And is that pass interference or is it not, et cetera, and so on. So to me, if the XFL wants to find success and wants to find success pretty quick, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to turn in, tune in week one. Make the game simple. Did it look like a catch? Then it's a catch. You know, unless it really impedes the the ability of the play to be made, meaning, you know, a blatant hold on the offensive line. You know, a defensive back tackles a wide receiver. Don't throw the flag. You know, the NFL, I think, is averaging something like 13 or 14 penalties per per game, I, I you know, I think, almost per team maybe, it feels like. If the XFL can get that, cut that number in half, I think that's going to help them a lot, um, you know, as well. So make the game simpler and make it more user friendly to watch. And I I think they'll find a a, a decent bit of immediate success because people love football. And, and, and like another thing I, uh, you know, that I, that I have posed the question to all the major fantasy sports sites and into the XFL itself. And obviously I haven't heard anything back, but is, will there be a fantasy element to it? If you want to get people attracted to your product, that I think there needs to be a, 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 a fantasy element, but the bottom line, the rules enforcement, people don't want to be sitting there and, and waiting for things and, and, and having all of these challenges and penalties and all of that make the game simpler. I think is it would be a key to success. Do you agree? Yeah, I can't really disagree. Uh, I mean, I it's football, so it's going to have my attention regardless of, of a lot of the semantics on it. But uh, I, I agree that there's an opportunity there right now. And it's, it's again, the game needs simplified, but I don't know how you simplify the NFL given the path is down at the moment. Sure, sure. And, uh, yeah, and right there, Tyler says he's, he'd be down for fantasy XFL. Um, so that's something I think they really need to hone in on as we're only a couple of uh, months away now from the uh, the XFL season starting. So, Dave, let's jump into the college world. Obviously, this past weekend, you know, one of the uh, the biggest takeaways, obviously, from this show, from my standpoint, is what happened in Ann Arbor. Um, I don't know where Notre Dame goes from here. I know there's a lot of angry Notre Dame fans calling for Brian Kelly's head, but I'm like, I don't, I don't you know, a guy who's gone 32 and – four now in the past three years I, I don't I don't think you can really kind of throw that away just because you had a bad loss and you know for, for Michigan this this was they, they've looked different in the past six quarters since halftime at Penn State and and the, the four quarters up this past Saturday and now they should not lose again until they would play Ohio State that game all of a sudden looks a lot more interesting than it did a couple of weeks ago like and 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 kind of tying all of this into the Big 10 itself. You know, everybody wants to talk about what the what the best, what the strongest conference is right now. As as much as I think, you know, I don't think there's a super great conference either way. I think you have to kind of look at the Big 10 right now as the lead dog in that fight because you have Ohio State who should probably be the number 1 team in the country or at least number 2. You should have uh you have Penn State you have Michigan, who's all of a sudden kind of back in the fold. You have Minnesota, who's at 13. Not totally sure who they are. Still not totally sure who Penn State is. 
But, you know, the, the, the Big Ten, at least at the top, has the strongest dogs in the fight, I would argue right now. Um, and, and you know, I, you know, I don't know if at Happy Valley two weeks ago, if Jim Harbaugh basically went into that team at halftime and said, do you guys want me to get fired? And they decided to really tune it up. But that team looks like what they probably should have looked like for the for the entire season so far. Yeah, it's definitely been a different Michigan team without a doubt. Um, I I don't know how you can go past the SEC right now for the the best team in the country, and I'm I'm obviously not buying into the SEC bias, but just looking at the the non conference wins, I don't know what um, Penn State's be- or not Penn State, but the Big Ten's best non conference win would be. But I think you got the you got a couple decent ones in the SEC there, and I mean you have uh, Georgia, Florida this weekend that that could be another. Um, showcase of the sec obviously with the with the uh, potential there but you also have some of the 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 lsu win the auburn win over oregon um a couple others there i I don't know that you have a true dominant fashion conference like you said um one thing is crystal clear is it's not the acc um (laughs) but the the um it's hard to say the big 10 is the best conference when you feature Rutgers. i'm just gonna leave it at that well that that's that's very true. I mean, but again, it's the 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 indictment to me about conference play has always been that that you always have those dogs. Now, Rutgers takes that to a disgusting level, but there, there's always going to be a team or two or three, maybe even four or more, depending on the season, that um, seem to be among the worst. And then it's just kind of sifting through. Well, what 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 is the best? And that's why I said, I think with uh, Minnesota, you know, next weekend they have Penn state. You're going to find out a little bit more about both of those teams. Then after that, Penn state is Ohio state. You're definitely going to find out, you know, is, is Penn state for real or do they just have a really fast wide receiver? Um, and then, you know, looming later in November, you know, November starts in two days. So we're, we're, we're really getting into that fun point of college football. So later on in the month of November, of course you have, Ohio State going to Ann Arbor is you know is is this Michigan thing for real now or is it just kind of a false front and you know Ohio State's going to have their fun uh, at the big house there's a there's a lot of fun questions coming down the road here in the Big Ten obviously in the SEC as well because I think this is where you start to get into the um, LSU Alabama matchups and uh, you know Alabama Auburn is is looming out there so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fun football um, coming in the next few weeks. But one thing, Dave, I, 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 before we get into the pickums for the week, and I, I don't want to overlook this ruling by the NCAA yesterday um, that the NCAA Board of Governors unanimously voted to allow college athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness. Um, and to the new rules, which uh, must be transparent, focused, and enforceable as to not create competitive imbalance can be implemented immediately, but no later than January of 2021. This this is a, a pretty pretty big deal because this has been kind of the discussion point over the past couple of years. And I know there's still people out there going college students, they should be paid by the university. I disagree with that point. This is exactly what I've always kind of wanted, you know, the 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 pay college athletes situation to be like. Um is 
you know, the schools obviously profit off of them, but they can't go out and do anything for themselves. And I never thought that that was right. I, again, I, they're getting scholarships. Um, you know, they're getting a lot of things that regular students do not get. That is a form of payment, if you will. That's what I've always said. But, you know, this, the ability for a student to go out and kind of sell themselves, as long as it's, you know, you know, within the lines and what, what, whatever, you know, all of that means. Um, but th- this, this is kind of what I always thought is the way it should happen. Your, your thoughts on um, the, the NCAA's decision yesterday. So I think it's a step in the right direction, but I think uh, part of my concern is, you know, what does this do for recruiting? Um, and, and what does that do? I mean, you have the scholarship limits and everything like that right now. But what does this do as far as recruiting that if you go to Alabama for football, and again, focusing on football given the nature of the show, but if you go to Alabama during football, um, you're not going to get a scholarship, but you're going to get a seven-figure deal with ESPN to be in one of their Gatorade commercials or, or something like that. So what does that do for recruiting, and, and how do you keep this balanced? I I don't have an issue with the concept, but my, my concern is, is this going to – are, are we going to see the same – six out of eight teams in the college football playoff every freaking year. Um, Do you know what I mean? Sure. I I think that what this is going to do, if it's not done correctly, is that the best are just going to get – the big dogs are just going to eat more. Um, Not to say that that they shouldn't get something. I think we're all on the same page with that. But my concern is how do you make it fair and and I don't want to say equitable across the table because, I mean, someone from Alabama should get more than someone that's playing for Rutgers. There's no doubt about that. Right, but how right. do you keep it how do you keep it fair so they're competitive still? Well and that you know, there's there's obviously kind of a lot more questions than answers as this just kind of came out yesterday. I know Tyler here in the comments says, What does it mean for scholarships and taxes? Um, from my standpoint, I honestly have no idea. Um, you know, because I I don't think there's right now a lot of information um at least to the the general public, or as I, I've been able to dig into it, um, that we know. But but you bring up a great point as well. Is 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 how do you keep this fair? What is fair? Is there a number limit? Is there you know what what all what are the parameters on all of this? And and I, and I know um, you know we we had talked about when California passed the law that would allow. Uh, college athletes to earn money from endorsements and things like that. But, you know, and the thing I said is, is you know, think about, you know, at, at Michigan, they wear, uh, you know, they're endorsed by the, the Jordan brand um, of Nike. So, obviously, everything there, shoes, pants, jerseys, jackets, sweatshirts, everything's got the Jordan logo. Well, what if Shea Patterson were endorsed by Adidas? Can he wear Adidas? Like, how, like... Does school still supersede the the athlete when it comes to a gear on the field? So, you know, Shea can wear Adidas in practice, but he has to wear Jordan stuff in games. Like, there's there's definitely still a lot of questions. Um, and, and, and how all of this plays out, like, can you not be endorsed by something that would be a, a competition to your school? Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like there, there's so many layers to, to this onion and we, we're just going to kind of keep peeling them back, uh, you know, over the next couple of months, year or, and, and so on. So, um, but I, you know, I do think it is, it is like you said, definitely at least 
a uh, a step in the right direction and you know where where it exactly goes and how it exactly pans out you know will uh, will obviously remain to be seen So let's uh, let's jump into the top twenty-five head-to-head games for the weekend. Like we said, there's only two of them. One of them in Jacksonville. That is number eight Georgia, who is a six and a half point favorite uh, against Florida. Forty-six is the uh, is the total line on that one. This one at three thirty on CBS. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I feel like Georgia at six and a half feels a little high just because um Notre Dame played them close I I, I don't know if if they're as great but I, I don't necessarily know where Florida's at I, I I do like I do like taking the over on the 46 because I I do just kind of get this feel that it's going to be one of those more shootout type games as opposed to one of these great defensive matchups um I'm gonna take. I think I'm gonna take Florida with the points. I think Georgia's gonna win outright, but I think it's gonna be closer than six and a half. I feel it's just one of those, you know, who who's got the ball last, who can get a game-winning field goal sort of situations. So I'm gonna say Georgia wins outright, Florida with the points, and I'll take the over. So this is a this is a perfect example of that we're starting to get some elimination games here and um, back to the, the the betting track here. But if you can identify one of these two teams that you think is um, you really think you have an edge on who's going to win the game and who's going to uh, to to prevail, um, my play in this game is, is I'm really looking at a Florida national title ticket. Um, in all honesty, um, Florida is about 100, 100 to 125 to one. Um, now, if I think that Florida, I haven't made up my mind on this or not, but if Florida is 100 to one, and they win this game, they probably are in the SEC title game if they win out. Um, I'll take my chances, even if it's a a, a fifty dollar 100 to one ticket, it pays five thousand dollars. Well, if they make it to the SEC title game, I can bet Alabama or LSU on the money line the other way and, and lock in a nice four figure profit, more than likely. And then if if uh, they win the the game, well, I'm going to have a lot of room left to hedge with it too. So. Um, I'm kind of looking at this game in, in that sense. Uh, but I, I think unders the play on this. I think you've got two pretty good defenses. Um, I think based on – I think you have a little bit going on with Georgia that you're kind of having with Clemson right now. That it's hard to get these kids motivated every week. And they got their wake-up call, for lack of better terms, with the loss. Um, and I think you're going to have Georgia that comes out and, and plays pretty good here. Um, but I do like this new quarterback for uh, – for Florida, I think he's an upgrade over uh, Felipe Franks. It's out hurt, um, so I'm I'm going to take Florida straight up uh, at the moment. Um, I do like the under in this game, though. That's that's for sure at the moment. Um, but I'm going to take Florida straight up, and uh, I'm going to look at a national title ticket for Florida as well, probably. There you go. And again, obviously, these picks coming Wednesday night. Um, so check back on 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 lines again before the uh, before the games actually go live. Uh, then you have number 15, SMU, at number 24, Memphis, a battle in the AAC. Memphis, a five-and-a-half-point uh, home favorite. 71 is the number on this one at 7.30 Eastern time uh, on ABC. Um, you know, SMU just kind of feels like one of those kind of feel-good stories this year. Um, you know, a team that obviously back in the, the 80s, if you know college football history, was one of the kind of those – premier programs and then got popped for their uh 
I mean, just outright lavish gifts and paying uh, recruits and things like that. So, um, you know, they were they were pretty much given like the death penalty, just damn near the death penalty, and they've never quite recovered. So to see them kind of back in the uh, in the in the national fold a bit is is a neat feel to it. Um, so I'm going to pick SMU, and it does feel weird that that a, the team who's 15th is uh, is an underdog, even though it is on the road. Uh, of five and a half to to a team that is uh, sitting at number twenty four, um, but I'm going to take SMU with the straight out upset um, here, and uh, they're going to get the win. I'm going to take the over because you know if you've watched AAC matchups, uh, you know in, in recent years, you know that scoring is usually um, a, you know a, a easy thing to come by. So I'm going to take SMU with the uh, straight up upset, and I'm going to take the over on the seventy one. So I think uh, I agree with you on the over on this one, but uh, I jumped all over Memphis at the the open on this. Uh, I got a nice, uh, solid three-figure play at the moment uh, and going upwards with uh, Memphis minus three at the open. So I got some nice value on Memphis there. I was was looking and waiting for this one just given the fact that uh, Memphis almost lost last week and uh, SMU's going extra breath. So I thought you were going to get some value in the line here. Um, I think Memphis is the best team in the AAC. Um, SMU's been a great story, but uh, they, I think their receiver Johnson's out this week, so it's going to be another blow to them. But uh, I think Memphis wins this by double digits, so uh, go Tigers. There you go. Andrew does not uh, does not like your potential pick at the uh, Florida as a, as a national contender, but I think that was more from your ability to play against each other, not necessarily that you think Florida would be a national champion pick, correct? Uh, that's 100 percent correct. If I can get a if I can get a a hundred to one team in the SEC title game, I'm going to be sitting pretty damn happy playing the other side in the SEC title game. I'll tell you that much. It's all about locking in the profit. Yeah, there you go. All right, Dave. Let's jump over to the NFL now. Of course, uh, yesterday was the well, they they made it sound like it was going to be a big trade deadline day, but um, the thing came and went like a uh, mild breeze as opposed to a hurricane. Um, going back to last week, there was uh, some some somewhat notable trades, I thought. Uh, Mohamed Sanu being traded over to New England. Emmanuel Sanders from Denver to San Francisco. Sanders paid off immediately this past weekend, catching the first touchdown of the game. Um, Michael Bennett from New England to Dallas, which I hate. Um, but then yesterday, really not a whole lot of action um, over the last couple of days. I mean, Kenyon Drake was traded to Arizona, which, you know, obviously if you're a fantasy owner, you want to take a look at the uh, fantasy availability of both uh, Chase Edmonds and David Johnson. Edmonds pretty pretty much doubtful to play this week. David Johnson still battling something there. So um, Kenyon Drake, if you can get him, probably a good fantasy play uh, coming up this week. Uh, and that game is tomorrow night, so you want, might want to move on that one. Um, Jannard Avery to the Eagles. And uh, Aqib Talib from the Rams to the Miami Dolphins. Um, so really, not a whole lot of noise. No big, really huge landmark pieces went. I mean, there was a buzz about potentially a Mike Evans to Philadelphia. That didn't happen, um, and a few other things. So um, not not really much to talk about from a from a trade deadline standpoint. Um, so you know, in in a, in a way, the teams that are the, really, the teams that are near the top, New England, San Francisco, they, they probably benefited the most because they got 
wide receivers that they that I think they desperately needed. Otherwise, you know, I I think we know how the season's playing out. I don't think there's a lot of mystery. Yeah, it was pretty quiet. I mean, I think you have you have a lot of of your top your top tier teams that got better, and your your middle of the road teams didn't really change much. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty I don't want to say it's a clear playoff picture, but I think it's pretty clear that um, you could probably pick eight out of eight out of the twelve playoff teams right now if you had to, and you probably hit ten out of the twelve potentially. I mean, rough numbers. I don't remember records offhand, but the the playoff pictures and the playoff races, aside from a few divisions, are shaping up to be pretty damn boring. Yeah, no doubt. Now let's look at this past weekend. Um, some just absolutely boneheaded uh, coaching decisions from Matt Nagy of the Bears and uh, Freddie Kitchens of the Cleveland Browns, and you know, really kind of made you scratch your head if you're if you're not only football fans, but especially if you're if you're fans of those teams, you got to really kind of wonder what these guys were thinking. Um, you know, and and. I, I'm, I'm going to kind of argue that, that the one, you know, Nagy made was the worst, not getting closer to field goal position, not, you know, not utilizing that final timeout, and you end up missing a, a, a what would have been a game-winning field goal by only a couple of yards that you could have easily gotten yourself in a better position on. Um, you know, is this is – this... Yeah, but I, I, I agree it wasn't the right call, but, I mean, come on, man. You, it was a 42-yard field goal, I think, like – you're supposed to make that as an NFL kicker, regardless. I mean, the variance between a, a 42 yard and a 35 yard. I think the, the the thing I saw on Twitter, so it must be true. But I think the the, the make percentage on the difference in those those seven yards is like two percent. And quite frankly, with the with with uh, uh, Mitch Mitch Fuckski as your quarterback, that I wouldn't <laughs> have been surprised if he took a sack or fumbled. Well, I mean, you, you're you're not totally wrong there, um, and obviously the. Uh... You know the 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 struggles of Trubisky, and that's one of obviously the biggest things that that hinders the Bears. But you know, yes, should uh, should Pinheiro be able to make that kick? Absolutely. But why, especially you know, on a day where there was so much win, he's already dinked a, and uh, I think it was an extra point or a field goal from shorter earlier in the game. Um, why are you not putting your your kicker in a closer position when you have a timeout? in your back pocket that that one just seems odd to me um and then the Browns agree but I mean the, the other piece along with it Jim is is you had it I think it was four minutes to go or so and they were the the uh the Bears were up six and right around midfield or no they weren't even around midfield they were they were at the 30 or so um third down and, and Mitch took a stack which took them out of taken took them took them out of field goal range and you get that back, and you give Pinero another shot there to make it a, a three a two score game. And I mean, that's the bigger issue that I have. That you, you got to be smart there, as as Matt Nagy. W- with that, you you run the ball, and even if you get stopped, you're still in field goal range. I mean, granted, Mitch needs to be smarter and not take the sack. But sure. if you're in field goal range there, and you get another shot, that's the real bonehead play that you're calling a pass there. Because not only that that the sack can happen, the interception can happen, but if it's incomplete, you you didn't drain another 40 seconds off the clock. Yeah, that's true. And But, but I mean, you know, it, it's in both situations, just run the ball. You know, you, you have a, you have a running back that was performing pretty darn well uh, in that game, you know, so questionable play calling, questionable, I mean, quarterback decisions, not throwing the ball away. And then of course the, uh, the, the mishandling of the timeouts, 
with the Browns, man, that guy just looks like, you know, Kitchens just looks like he is, you know, he he's he's in junior high, everybody else is in high school. Um, you know, mismanaging the the challenges when they're we're blatantly not going to get overturned. You you just have to be a little bit smarter there, but you know, for the Browns, that's kind of business as usual. Um, I'm I'm going to make a case here because this past Sunday, the Eagles beat the Bills, who were five and one, probably one of the 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 most fraudulent five and one teams in in, in recent memory. Um, and everybody's like, see, this team, Eagles team's really good, and we're back, and blah, blah, blah. I, to me, the Cowboys and Eagles are exactly the same team. And what I mean by that is they have the talent to be really good. They have the absolute potential to be, I think, championship caliber. Now, I don't mean that, that they're guaranteed lock or anything like that, but I think they are both, talent-wise, championship caliber teams. However... Um, they fail to execute a lot. They will lose games that they absolutely have no business losing. Look at the Cowboys and the Jets. Look at the Eagles and the Falcons. And then they'll 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 win games in in fashion that you're going. How the hell did this happen? The way the Cowboys stomped out the Eagles and the way the Eagles uh, d- defeated Green Bay. They are teams that are dramatically inconsistent. I think that their their coaching doesn't help them either team. And everybody can talk about Doug Peterson and his big balls in the Super Bowl, and you go out and you beat uh, and you go out and beat New England. Sure, that that's almost two years ago now. He doesn't feel like the same coach, and we all know how. If you follow me on Twitter, you know how I feel about Jason Garrett. So to to me, you know, it, you know, it's going to come down. I think to that game in December when the Cowboys and Eagles play each other is probably going to be the one that determines who wins the NFC East. Because I, I, you know, these teams, at one point somebody's going to have a great win, some point, and either both of those teams are probably going to have a loss that has you scratching your head again, and it's just you know nine and seven is probably going to do the job in the NFC East. Yeah, I don't disagree there at all. It feels like both teams when you when you think that they're going to win they lose, and when you think that they have no chance of winning they win. So it's just one of those those situational spots, and I mean. This weekend for the Eagles, um, I was arguing with an Eagles fan. He said that the the uh, the Bears should be the play at plus six because the Eagles can't beat anyone by that much. And I'm sitting there looking at it, saying, "Well, if I'm the Eagles, can stop the run, which puts the ball in Mitch's hands. The 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 Bears shouldn't score more than 14 points against the Eagles with Mitch throwing it. Maybe maybe 21 at absolute worst. And I don't know that the Bears' defense is all that good, to be honest. So. Um, you would think that the Eagles would have some uh, success scoring here, but it's just going to be one of those, like, it, it's interesting. All the Eagles fans are down on them for this week, which means they probably win. Well, so it's it, one of the win big, and it's just one of those that makes no sense. And you you would think that the, the Eagles offense should be able to move against the Bears, but you, you go back to, you know, what the Cowboys front seven, which I don't even think is, is at least they haven't been performing at the level they should be up to this point. They got they got it Wentz early and often when the Cowboys and Eagles met. So again, what what version of the Eagles offensive line are we going to see take the field on Sunday afternoon? If it's the one that can protect Carson Wentz, then yeah, and and can you know block for the run, then you you might be in good shape. But if you can't stop the Bears' pass rush, you, you're you're probably going to be in about as bad shape as you were um, when the Eagles and Cowboys played, and. If you and and uh, the game is in Philly, 
if, if things things go a little sour early, that that stadium's going to turn. The, 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 that the Eagles fan base is not a happy one right now. I don't care what anyone is going to try and tell you. Um, I think a, a large number of Eagles fans, you know, feel great after the Bills win, but you know, the, the, there's got to be a little bit of reality there because, you know, everybody wants to, t- you know, and I'm not trying to take any losses or wins away from you or whatever. But if you look at the Bills schedule, that five and one is not is not a great five and one. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so I, I I I don't. Besides being you know a above average middle of the road team, I, you know the Cowboys and Eagles to me are are, are pretty similar. Um, you know, and, and and Andrew brings up a point here. He says case in point with the Eagles. Why do they do the fake field goal at the end of the first half? Um, in Minnesota, take the points uh, and cement them in the half instead of giving Great it away. Call out, yeah, and, and and it's it's it you know it it that kind of had a feel of you know the the Doug Peterson that you saw you know you know out Belichick Belichick, but in the same time, dude, you're not in the Super Bowl against New England. You don't have to try and be the smartest guy in the room every single week. You know, week in and week out, you just have to get your team to win. Other times you will get into situations in, in, in games that you're probably not supposed to even be in that Super Bowl. And, you know, you, you have to do things that are going to catch people off guard. You don't have to do that every week. Fair, spot on. Just, just coach to win the game. And, I mean, you have one of the more talented teams in the NFL aside from a couple areas. And you should be able to win just based on X's and O's if you're as good of a coach as you're made out to be. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's dive into the uh, the games this weekend. The big five that I picked out. Um, the buys this week are the Bengals, Falcons, Rams, and Saints. So, again, if you're playing fantasy, plan accordingly for those. The Thursday night game tomorrow night, Halloween night, is the seven and O San Francisco Forty ers a ten point. Road favorite at the 3-4-1 Cardinals. Uh, 43 is the number on this game, 8-20 Eastern time on Fox and the NFL Network. The Cardinals, man, this is a team that is kind of super fun to pay attention to. Uh, Just a quick check-in here on the World Series. 2-0 Houston at the end of 6. So uh, if Washington's going to want to win that World Series, man, they got to start moving soon. Um. The Cardinals are a team that's super fun to watch. Um, Kyler Murray, I think, it, you know, as long as he keeps developing and, and, you know, if the game will even begin to slow down a bit for him, um, I think he has the potential to be really fun, at least for a couple of years. I think, you know, the, the kind of, you know, Lamar Jackson type where, you know, the, these couple of guys, you're going to have a fun few years, but I, I don't know how long of a shelf life they have, but enjoy it while you have them. Um but I think without David Johnson, without Chase Edmonds, um, the, the the upsetting the 49ers here um, just just doesn't feel like a like the opportunity for for the the Cardinals to kind of take that next step in this season. I think they can beat the points, the ten point the 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 the, 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 the Niners are favored by, and I and I really looking at forty three, the Niners don't put up a lot of points sands this past week against the team that I won't mention who it was. Um, the Niners haven't been scoring a, a, a ton of points, 
So I think the number is going to fall real close to this 43. I'm going to take a slight over. So I'm going to take 49ers to win, uh, Cardinals to, to, to take the points, and I'm going to take a slight over. So I'm going to play off your last point there, but the, the Niners are, uh, I think they're 5-2 and two to the over this year. Does that surprise you a little bit that they're, they're actually an over team this year that, that you don't think it, but the totals have been so low based off the defense and everything last year when uh, Jimmy G was out? Um, they have been an over team this year and a pretty lucrative over team. I would not have guessed that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I think it's five and two. I could be wrong on that, but uh, um, I, I agree with you. That I think you have to take. Uh, I have no interest in betting this game. The, the numbers are pretty close, but uh, I mean, if I had to, I would probably take the ten points on a short week with Arizona at home. Um, but I. I have no idea. I mean, I think San Francisco wins this straight up probably by three or seven just because everyone's going to be on San Francisco and it's a primetime game. So uh, I'd like to be on the other side of everyone most of the time, but uh, I don't really have an opinion on this at all. So I'll uh, I'll kind of be on the same side as you there um, with the points and the over. All right, let's look to Sunday. We're going to start at 9.30 Eastern time, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time from Wembley Stadium. It is the 5-3 and three Texans who are a two-point favorite against the 4-4 Jaguars. 46.5 is the number. This one is an NFL Network uh, exclusive, so that's where you'll find it. Um, Remember to check those fantasy lineups Saturday night uh, before you either start drinking or go to bed because um, not this year, but last year, I I got bit on one of those uh, London games. So just, uh, just be prepared for that. This is a game I, I have no clue because the, the Texans feel like one of those teams where I, I have I, I don't know what their identity is. One week they look really good on both offense and defense. One week they'll be good on one side of the ball, terrible on the other. Another week they'll be terrible on both sides of the ball. Now you lose JJ Watt for this season, um, and, and with the Jaguars, you know, is is Minshew going to remain the quarterback? If you don't got to worry about it this week, I think he's going to keep trying to make statements and make his case. So expect him to come out blazing. So I like, I definitely like the over in this one at forty six and a half um, because I think it's going to be more of a shootout type of game. Um, and just because of that, I'm going to give the edge to the Texans, take it with the win and the points um, because. You know Minshew and Chark. Uh, I'll take Watson and uh, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins over Minshew and whoever he's throwing to this week. So Texans with the win and the over. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna not be on this one likely either. But who knows until game time gets here, given that this is Wednesday. But uh, I think the Jaguars have an advantage in this game because one thing that we've seen with London games is the team that prepares and travels better generally wins. Um, Jaguars seem like they're in London every year, so they should have this trip down to a science right now. <laughs> um, I don't really like them if this this laying two and a half or catching two and a half here in North America. But given they have the familiarity over in uh, London, I think the Jaguars win this game straight up, and I think uh, I think your total goes under. All right, very good. Let's move to one o'clock Eastern time on Fox. It is the six and two Vikings, two and a half point road favorite at the Chiefs, who are five and three. 48 and a half is the number on this game. Um, you know, Chiefs looked surprisingly good against Green Bay um, without uh, Patrick Mahomes. Now, he's currently listed as limited. 
There's questions whether or not he's going to play this week. If I'm the Chiefs, be smart. Don't trot him back out there yet. Um, because, you know, I think this Vikings defense is better than the Packers defense. Um, you know, but but offensively, I, I, you know, if you can slow down Dalvin Cook, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. I know Cousins has looked better, but let's just remember he's Kirk Cousins. So you're going to have a bad game looming out there. Slow down Dalvin Cook and just kind of survive the week. Um, I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna take the under on this one because I, I think the Chiefs are gonna try and be able to make it close. I'm gonna take the Chiefs with the points, um, but I think the Vikings are gonna win, even though Vikings are only two and a half. I, I think it could potentially be like a you know like a 21-20 sort of a situation where it is that tight. So I'm gonna take the Chiefs slightly with the points, uh, and I'm gonna take the under. So I, I heard something on, on the radio this morning, and I haven't, I, I I forgot to confirm it. But you you put you just put this back in my head, given the game that we're talking about. Okay. If the Chiefs lose this game, it'll be their fourth straight home loss, and they can still be leading, and they will still be leading the division. <laughs> um, let's pull up the old. Uh... Uh, Rendon, Rendon just hit a homer, two one. Okay. All right. All right. That's a little um, bit of but fun. Back to, back to football here. Um, I I think that this is an absolute really good spot for Minnesota. Um, I think you're getting a, a lot of value on the number, given that this Chiefs team is extremely banged up. Hell, I think their punter was hurt and on the injury report this week. So um, I, I just think that, to me, it's a Minnesota play or no play. Um, I, I just have no clue what the Chiefs are going to be able to throw out there. Um, so I'm playing Minnesota more than likely and on the over as well. You would be right on that one, Dave, because even if uh, the Chiefs lose and the Raiders win, um, the Chiefs would have the, the current head-to-head tiebreaker uh, over the Raiders. So that would uh, that would keep them uh, in first place. But a pretty uh, pretty wild stat there. Andrew, not happy that the, uh, that the Nationals are, are making it a game. Uh, let's move to one o'clock on CBS. It is the four and four Titans at your four and three Panthers. Um, who are four point home favorite 41 and a half is the number on that game. Um, Dave, is there any word on, uh, the status of Cam Newton? Is, would, is he potentially back this week or is it still the Allen show? Do you know? I have not seen anything official. Um, however, the the items that I have seen have said that Cam will not play until he's a hundred percent. So he's and so he's never going to play is again. The, is the absolute? <laughs> I don't know that he plays in a Panthers uniform again. But um, I I all I have seen is an outpouring of love for what Allen's doing. So um, going off of that one, I I think there's great potential that Allen's your quarterback the rest of the year. Yeah, and and I mean everybody can look at. What happened against San Francisco this past week and say, see, Allen's not ready. 49ers team's really damn good. Like, you know, it's borderline scary good. And and you had the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, you know, rounds out that offense a bit, but that, that defense is for real. Um, so I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not going to be one of those guys that overreacts to one week. I think everything Kyle Allen has been doing, it has been really, really good. But I'm I'm really intrigued right now, and as as weird as this may sound, by the uh, Ryan Tannehill led Tennessee Titans, because this team has looked brand new with a quarterback that I pretty much would have would have written off and been like, 
this guy should probably just retire. Um, you know, th- this game, the reason I paid it to basically 500 teams, um, you know, in, in a, in a fairly crappy NFL week stuck out to me as one that if, if Tannehill can get the win here against Carolina and spoiler alert, just for funsies, I'm going to pick them to get the upset. Um, you know, th- th- that team, you're going to be scratching your head going, why didn't you make the move sooner? There was questions about Mariota, I think, even coming into this season anyway. Um, and, and I and I actually, and I do like the under. I think if Tennessee's going to win, they're going to have to, you know, keep the, the points machine, um, the points down a bit. Because I think I did see, too, that McCaffrey um, was out or limited in practice today. So that's that's one to watch. Could be a maintenance day. Um, but I... But, I'm I'm very intrigued by these these new look Tennessee Titans, so I'm going to go with them with the upset and the under. This is one. Um, this is a buy buy high sell low spot. Um, Tennessee was a box box score fraud last week. Um, Tampa Bay outplayed them, but Jameis happened. <laughs> um, so I I don't know that um, you can say that this that the win last week was Tannehill. Um, the refs also aided in that win. Uh, Tampa Bay should have should have scored a touchdown on that block field goal that was fumbled, but the refs blew the play dead, which is mind-boggling because of the fact that all they've been emphasizing is let the play go. But um, yeah. oh, still bitter about that. I had Tennessee money line pretty big. Too. I was going to say there had to be a play involved in there for you to remember this many details about a Tennessee Titans Tampa Bay Bucks game. <laughs> I won't confirm or deny the allegations, officer. <laughs> But uh, I, I think that this is one where you're getting a little bit of value. Um, the the um, look-ahead line last week on this, um, I believe, was three and a half or four. So the fact that this is crossed over three is big. Um, what really happened last week that, that caused this number to move that much? There's no real big injury news um, other than one week's performance that um, quite frankly, Tennessee looked pretty bad, and and Jameis aided them in getting the points. So, um, I mean, I, I and Carolina got steamrolled by by San Francisco. There's no doubt about that. But uh, San Francisco was uh, outperforming there on what I thought that they were going to see. Actually, like Carolina last week in that spot, and uh, they didn't uh, they didn't let up to expectations there. So, um, I, I think that this is a spot we're getting a little bit of value on Carolina. Now, um, I'm not running to the window to bet this. I think there's better options out there, but. Uh, I'm playing Carolina, and I think the over's good here, too. Let's be honest, Dave. Neither of us is running anywhere. Um, now let's go to the big one of the weekend. Um, to me, the, the the best game, at least on paper. 8-0 Patriots, 3.5-point road favorite at the 5-2 and two Ravens. 45 is the number on that one. Uh, 820 on NBC, Sunday Night Football. Um, Ravens had the bye week last week. They've had plenty of time to prepare for this. Um, the Patriots, you know, they, they, they keep winning, um, haven't always looked super spectacular doing it, but they find ways to win. Um, but man, there, 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 there does just kind of feel something really fun and interesting with this Lamar Jackson Ravens team. I know Hollywood Brown's going to be back this week. So the ability to stretch the field a little bit more, um, that defense has played pretty well, um, throughout, um, the man, like I just, part of me wants to just go, the Patriots are going to keep doing 
what uh, what they've been doing. But I like the Ravens coming off the bye. Three two re- Nationals. Really? Wow. Ali Kendrick just hit a home run down the right field line. No kidding. So the Nationals on top, and it's still in uh, seventh inning, Dave. Top seven, one out. Top you were se- rambling, so I decided to put something important nope. in. Nope, that's fine. Um, so I like the Ravens here coming off the bye week. It's kind of going to be one of those wake up call games a bit if uh, for for New England. So I'm going to take Ravens with the straight upset, and I'm and I'm actually going to take the over. I think both offenses are going to move the ball uh, well against each other, but the Ravens defense is going to be a little bit better, make a couple of spots. It's going to be that one game where the Patriots try a different scheme. They're going to come back to bite him a little bit. Um, so again, Ravens pull the upset and the over. So you got one of the two right. Um, Ravens win this game, period. Uh, the the New England Patriots might be the luckiest 8-0 team in, in football, um, maybe even in history. Uh, their, their defense has been pretty good, but look at who they have played. And, Jim, I will depend on you to pull the schedule up. But tell me the best quarterback that they have played. Um, the best quarterback, and I'll, I'll help you out with that one, but the best one that they have played would be Ben Roethlisberger, at 42 years old or however the hell old he is. The Ravens have played Sam Darnold. He might not have been healthy, but they've played the Jets twice, I believe. they played Josh Allen. They have played uh, uh, Daniel Jones. Whose schedule am I pulling up? Baltimore's or? The Patriots. Patriots, got it. Patriots. Tell me the teams that this 8-0 Patriots team has beat. (laughs) And the answer is absolutely nobody. Yeah, Steelers, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, Giants, Jets, Browns. That's who they beat. Point proven. Ravens <laughs> win this game, and I think the Eagles beat the Patriots the following week. I Ooh. I don't I don't think that this Patriots offense is anything at all. Um, it just got better with the wide receiver addition uh, of Sanu, I believe. But um, Brady's getting up there in age. The the offense has has benefited from incredible turnover. Look, I, I saw online that they were, and again, I don't remember the exact percentages, but I think they were upwards of seventy percent on fumble recoveries. You're talking about a freaking football that bounces any damn direction it wants to, <laughs> and it's somehow finding Bill Belichick. Yeah, that, that sure he has magnets planted in his think, gloves or something. You would think that luck's going to run out somewhere. Uh, just for comparison's sake, the Ravens. Um, Victories against Miami, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Seattle in Seattle. Um, and then their losses came to uh, the Chiefs in Kansas City and a 40-25 loss against the Browns. Um, so that one stands out as a little funky. But, uh, you know, so the, the, the Ravens at least have a quality win on their schedule to uh, coin a phrase from college football. I, I agree 100 percent that I think that, and I, I also think that this this Patriots cover defense is pretty good. But I think that they can. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball on them, and I think they're going to be able to run it pretty successfully. I hit this line pretty hard at four and a half. I hit it again at four, and it's down to three and a half right now. And I'm probably going to hit it again before the weekend's done. Um, I I love the Ravens in this spot coming off a bye with a very good coach in in Harbaugh, um, having an extra week of prep time. Uh, Baltimore also always plays New England tough. Uh, you remember the playoff games when Baltimore used to have to go up to New England, but uh, I, I can't even remember the last time that New England was down in Baltimore. So this this is a Sunday night game. Um, this just feels like something that that the Ravens are going to win. Something along the lines of of twenty four fourteen, something like that. That 
that this game's going under with, with running the ball and, and uh, the lackluster New England offense. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. And I'm pretty confident that the Ravens are, are going to cover the number, especially if you get three and a half. Um, sitting on a nice uh, four and a half ticket, though, that I'm hopefully going to cash. But uh, I, I think that the Ravens are the, the right side here. And I think that they just absolutely light them up. Yeah, it's 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 definitely, you know, and, and Jim Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh. Sorry, get, getting my getting my Harbaugh's confused here. Um, the you know a year ago, a little over a year ago, you're talking about a guy that back against the wall seemed you know almost you know dead to rights. You were kind of a lame duck. I think he was in the last year of his deal, and you're just like this guy's not going to get fired, but they're not going to bring him back. There's no way that he's going to he's going to be able to do anything to to get up off the mat and survive. And then all of a sudden, you know, he he makes the quarterback switch and it's been a different team since then, you know, even getting a playoff win and um you know, they hit the ground running this year. Um he just seems like a different coach and a guy who's you know going to go out there and uh, you know they're they're going for it on fourth down even in their own territory. Just coaching with a different swagger and confidence than we've seen um from him or a Ravens team in a few years. So it's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch, um, what the Ravens are doing. And yeah, especially coming off the bye, um, this is going to be one of those games. And, and, you know, this may be one of those games where, you know, after the Patriots win Super Bowl number seven, we look back and go, um, oh, see, they learned from that game. It's like when they lose to the Chiefs in September, you know, three years running, and then they win a Super Bowl and go, oh, they were able to look at the tape of that game and win it. Um, you know, that that's what we might end up doing, but, the, the, you know, the Ravens, they have to make a statement for themselves um, in this one. Uh, yeah, Andrew, it, it's um, when you get your ass kicked that hard, it, you know, you just kind of take your lickings and, and move on, um, and, and that's, f- from a Notre Dame standpoint, that's what I have to do. Um, and and it, Jim is... Sorry, I thought you were done there. Continue on. No, no, that's fine. He, Andrew just made a comment that um, he's surprised I can say Jim Harbaugh without crying. Uh, but I, lo- I do love Jim Harbaugh. Like if if Brian Kelly weren't the coach at, at Notre Dame, he he would be the guy I would want there most. So uh, just because he's fun and entertaining, and uh, and what I think is a pretty good coach. Dave, go ahead. So Jim, just a question for you. I mean, I think that this line also screams that it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I know you're not nearly into the, the gambling side like I am, but what would you have set this line at yourself if you were setting it? I mean, I feel like that the line should have – I was shocked it came out under six, in all honesty. I thought it was going to come out at six. Yeah, I, I you know, just given the fact that, you know, the, the Ravens are at least, you know, to, to the, you know, kind of untrained eye a bit. I, I don't think they're super proven with – Lamar Jackson and this team, and you know, and it's New England doing New England. When New England's undefeated, you know, and you have a great defense, you would think that they're going to be able to disrupt Lamar Jackson, disrupt what they're doing, and and force turnovers and things like that. So, I would I would have thought, you know, just if you would have been asking a novice who, you know, d- doesn't, you know, my gambling comes in weekly pickums and fantasy football. Um, I, I would have thought that this number would have been six. Maybe seven, even as high as eight. But the fact that it's it's this close, I, I, I was a little bit surprised when I checked that earlier today. Yeah, the, the other thing, uh, just kind of calling out out things as well. This New England team won like seventeen to fourteen at Buffalo, 
Okay, and they were saying, well, look how good, look how good Buffalo's D is, all that. Um, Philadelphia just put up like a million on the Buffalo D in 35-mile-an-hour winds, and it was a nice sunny fall day when New England was up there, and they right. scored 17, and one of those was a seven-pointer off a block punt. So um, I'm not buying this this New England offense. And, I mean, they didn't do anything against the Browns. They were significantly aided by turnovers, and I'm probably going to be on next week eating my words. But <laughs> um, I, I, until I see differently, I, I have no faith in this New England offense. Yeah, and it, but, I mean, I think the biggest thing that, that we know is – we don't know, you know, week in and week out in the NFL, you know, and especially over this year and the even the last, you know, one or two seasons, you know, it's, it's a week to week league. It's a, it's a league full of parody and it's, it's, you know, who gets the hot hand this week? Who has the quarterback that can't hold the ball? Who has the kicker that, you know, can't hit a, hit a straight 30 yard field goal, stuff like that. The NFL week to week is, is you have, you know, like we said, a few, dominant teams a few really weak teams but but even there you know we saw Miami jump out to a 14 nothing lead last night now obviously it didn't hold Steelers are not you know not very good this year you're dealing with a lot of injuries new quarterback stuff like that it's just it's a it's it's a week-to-week league anymore um especially more than it used to be so you know, who knows? New England goes out, you know, this week or next week and puts up 45 points and, and we're all scratching our heads or going, how'd they, how'd they find their offense all of a sudden? But, um, it is what it is. You know, I like, you know, I do agree. I think, I think the Ravens are going to, uh, be the better, um, this weekend. So Dave, unless you have any other thoughts, um, on, uh, on the NFL, on college football, anything we'll, uh, give people your, Twitter, let people know where they can follow you and the and some of the fun things you're doing over there, and we're going to close this thing up for the week. Yeah, we're at uh, Huddle Up Dave on Twitter, and uh, cannot wait to watch Stone cry this Sunday night. It's going to be a great ending of the weekend. Uh, all right. So uh, let people know where they can follow you, Dave. We're at uh, Huddle Up Dave on uh, Twitter, and uh, hopefully putting some more stuff up there than uh, we have been, but we've been getting better at it. So, um, again, Good luck to everyone if you get down this weekend. All right, Dave. Uh, good talking to you. We'll do it again next week. And uh, we thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you for the uh, interaction there on the uh, on the Facebook Live comments. We appreciate that. As always, people um, joining in with us on the live show here. One last check of the World Series game. Let me pull it up. Right fast for you. Still top seven. There's now two outs. Three to two, Washington. So by next week, obviously, we'll know who the World Series champion is. We'll know in a few hours. Well, we thank you. I am at Big Jim Sports. The show is at Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. Our home network is NGSC Sports. You can find them on all of the social media at NGSC Sports, as well as NGSCSports.com. And the sponsor of this show, Alicia's Pillows and Things. If you want to get great decor, pillows stools and more with all your favorite teams and movie characters and much more log on to ngscsports.com find the alicia's pillows and things tab on the home page and place your order we thank you again and until next week stay safe stay smart and go for the win